Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. If somebody asked you, what is heaven like, would you be able to explain a little bit about heaven? I mean, a little bit? Or are you just going to say, ah, it's a great place. That's why we go verse by verse through the Bible, so that we can read these various things, the comfortable verses as well as the uncomfortable verses. And this morning, as we get into these verses, you're going to see a little bit of heaven. John stepped into heaven. So it's not, again, not just something, well, you read and go, okay, that's cool. No, you should be able to explain it. Now, are we going to explain heaven in detail? No way. We don't know that much, maybe 2 or 3%. But can you explain at least that 2 or 3% to an unbeliever or to a fellow believer, someone who's mourning the loss of a loved one, wondering where are they, what are they going through? That's what we want to be able to do with our Bibles, not just say, well, you know, go talk to the pastor. That's a lousy excuse. That's a lousy reason. Lousy. We don't ever want to go down that road. You see, in our verses this morning, we are getting a personal glimpse into a city, the believer's final destination. The believer's final destination. Realize this right now. Let's look at Revelation chapter 4. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so if you're new, this is the Apostle John. He's on the island of Patmos. He's having the vision. He's having a revelation, not revelations. He's having a revelation. And he is now caught up into heaven. Immediately, I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat was there like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, thunderings, and voices, seven lamps of fire were the burning, were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Father, I, I pray for the gift of teaching and all that's taking place in our lives. And Lord, that song, I just love that song. I've been waiting 45 years, and that's my desire, to, to hear well done. Which when that's our desire, is that then, then you transform our lives via the Holy Spirit to walk in righteousness. Not self-righteousness, just being right with you. Just repenting and being right. Doing the best via your Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus each and every day. And we fall, we fail, I fail, I make mistakes. But you never give up on me. Your Holy Spirit will never leave me. And I surrender those, as and as I surrender those mistakes to you, you help me to learn from them and to grow and mature and be more like Jesus. Father, it's a wonderful opportunity that you have given to us. So even this morning, Lord, maybe there's someone here beating themselves up, falling short. Lord, we're your child. And according to your word, you see us as holy, unblameable, unreprovable there is not one sin on record in heaven you never accuse us you never beat us up that is all from our spiritual enemy but father you discipline us and you correct us that you might mature us via your holy spirit 
to be more like Christ. Father, help us to remember we're just on a road passing through. We're heading to heaven. Use the word this morning, Father, to encourage us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Realize this. Realize right now what I just read. Right now, at this very moment, if you know, have a loved one, a believer in Jesus Christ, who died, and they're, they're in heaven. This is what they are seeing. So read your Bible and make it applicable. They are literally seeing this played out. John stepped into heaven momentarily. He came back to earth. He is writing this for the believer, for the unbeliever, for those who are going through tremendous persecution at that time. In the first 300 years of the church, it's estimated three to five million Christians were martyred for Christ. We've been very, very blessed in America, but it's changing. If you're reading any news, the Bible is being mocked on a regular basis. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, you literally believe in the Bible, you are a far-right extremist. You're equated with Hezbollah, with Hamas. If you're a Bible-believing Christian. But our loved ones, they're there. They're seeing what's taking place. So next time somebody asks you what's going on in heaven, you can open your Bible and you can give them these verses. This is real. This isn't mythical. It's not allegorical. This is real. This is literally taking place. Many of the believers were being martyred for their faith. Yet those left behind continued to cling to the faith. And that's why you and I have the faith today. I'm not talking about our faith. I'm talking about the faith. Do you know what's going to happen to the next generation? If you and I do not continue to gather, do not continue to go through the Bible verse by verse, do not continue to address the social ills of our culture, do you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to be wiped down. They're not going to know Jesus. They're not going to know God. The world's not promoting any of that. Matter of fact, they're mocking it and ridiculing it. So you and I, we have to be brave enough to take a stand and say, no, I'm not denying Jesus. I'm not denying the word of God. Paul said this in Romans 8.18, out of New Living Translation. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Why did Paul write that? Well, I think we can look to 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. I actually believe that this was when Paul was stoned with rocks, not medicinal marijuana. He was literally stoned with rocks, and he literally died. You can read the story in Acts. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up. Just like John, he was caught up, the exact same expression, into paradise. So here's another word for heaven, paradise. So heaven you're going to see is the new Jerusalem. We can say heaven, but now we can also say paradise. We're going to paradise. And heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So we can see that what Paul saw and heard was uncomprehendable to the natural human mind. 
And if he tried to explain it, he would have been doing an injustice, something that would have been considered unlawful. Well, the Holy Spirit showed John heaven, and quite differently than Paul, John was instructed, instructed to write down what he saw and heard. Now, we're going to get to chapter 10, where John saw and heard something, and he is told, do not write that down. But for now, let's take a look at where we are heading and what we might just see very shortly here. You see, heaven is large. You can read it at the end of the book. There's exact dimensions, chapter 21. One day we're going to reside there. It is 1,500-mile cube. 1,500-mile cube. Do you know many miles 1,500 is? It's from, I looked it up this morning really quickly, it's from the border of Mexico to the border of Canada. Get that picture in your mind. That's just in one direction. We'll have a picture next week. I thought of it at the last minute of the United States and how big just the base of heaven, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem paradise is. Think about that. Have any of you ever been, how many of you ever been on a 747 or a 777? Any of you ever been on the, raise your hand high, don't be afraid, nobody's going to stone you here. They're huge on the tarmac, huge. My first trip in 03 to Israel was on a 747. I didn't think that sucker was going to get off the ground. I mean, it was huge. And when it did get off the ground, it's like, we're in the air? I mean, it was so smooth. But you know when they're flying at four or five miles in the air, do you know how big they are? They're the same size, right? But to the human eye, that's that little dot up there. That's a 747. When you're inside it, it's just, it's hard to explain. They're so big. So I know that when we say we're going to heaven... You need to know this, not because I'm saying it, because your Bible teaches you this. It is a city. It is a city. You're not going to be a pudgy little angel playing a harp on a cloud. It is a city. And with the dimensions we have, the base alone would be 2,250,000 square miles. Just the base. 2,250,000 square miles, and roughly at 10 feet, it would be 792,000 stories tall. So as John steps into the throne room of God, is it mid-heaven, lower? We don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know, and that's okay. Go with what you do know. John stepped into heaven. John is seeing A 1,500-mile cube. This is why it would be so hard to explain. How far can you see to Canada? Superstition Mountains, that's it. So John stepping into heaven, the New Jerusalem, paradise, how far can he see? Well, he's going to have heavenly eyes. Are we going to be able to see 1,500 miles? I have no idea. God will let us know when we get there. But it's easily estimated with these figures that heaven could comfortably, comfortably hold all the people that have ever lived upon the face of this earth. Now we know that unfortunately not all the people that ever lived are going to be there, so it's not surprising that Paul didn't speak about it. It's so vast and mind-blowing. And if you and I went there and came back, we probably wouldn't be able to explain much of it either because I mentioned earlier, it's uncomprehendable. Even what we're going to read about the creatures and things happening in heaven in this letter, it's really hard to grasp. 
but at least we have some additional information to get a glimpse of. Remember, we're just passing through this life. Let's look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. We're just passing through this life. My mom lived to be 95. My dad lived to be 100. They're gone. They're gone. It goes fast. Even if you live to be 95 or 100. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embrace them. Notice this. This is for you and I this morning. Do you know you're going to heaven? Do you absolutely know, if you took your last breath right now, that you would go to heaven? If you say, well, I, I hope so, then you don't know. That's not, that's not scriptural. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you have to know, yes, absolutely, I'm going, well, I'm not worthy. Get over that. That's of the enemy. None of us are worthy in the flesh. No human being is ever worthy. Jesus makes us worthy. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. You are worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know of yourself? No, obviously. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So they, they were assured of them. The word of God assures us of heaven. They embrace them. Are we trying to embrace the world? You know, the world wants the church to embrace them. The Pope just came out this past week. I don't know if you saw it or not. And this is not a bash on religion. We don't bash religions. We speak the truth in love. You have to be mature enough to speak the truth. The church is to love everyone. We love everyone. And there are some who would like a blessing. We should bless them. No. No, we do not do that. That's not scriptural. We do not bless same-sex relationships. We do not bless adultery. We do not bless fornication. We do not bless abusing prescription drugs. We do not bless sin. You see the world, just, just, just one little compromise. Just, just bring one little compromise into the church and look at the state of the church today. No, we can't compromise. We embrace the word of God and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14, Hebrews 11. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. Are you desiring a better country? I am. And I'm not talking about the border. We need borders. I agree with all of that stuff. But I'm desiring heaven. I've been desiring for 45 years. How about you? That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city. Notice, a city, not a cloud, a city for them. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. If it was all taken away from you today, everything you had, would you still be content with God? See, the first century Christians knew this. They had everything taken away from them. They lived in the catacombs. They lived in the caves. Read your Bible. They were naked at times. They were starving. It wasn't health and wealth nonsense in the first century. It was reality. Oh, you're a Christ follower? We're going to kill you. We're going to hunt you down and kill you. That was reality. 
For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. 1 Peter 2.11 Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. An exhortation for you and me. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. Be responsible. I think you guys understand this. You've been here any amount of time. I didn't say this in the beginning, so thank you for all who have helped the last two weeks. Repairing the roof, we're about 75% done. Praise God. We're supposed to have a wet winter. The farmer almanac says, hopefully it comes. But uh, praise God, we're getting stuff done. So I'm not negating any earthly responsibilities if you're new here. Balance, balance, balance. But are you ready to let it go? Are you ready to let it go? I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The soul. Your personality, your makeup, your Christian faith. How about 1 Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Actually, it's just 3, 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be eagerly waiting for your SS check, but are you eagerly waiting for Jesus to come back? What happens if Social Security goes away? What happens if it literally goes away? <gasps> That'll never happen. I would not recommend you saying never happen. We're seeing things today that many people said, oh, that'll never happen. Our country will never be locked down. We'll never be told to stay in our homes. We'll never be told to wear, wear a mask that doesn't work. We'll never be told to take a shot that doesn't necessarily work. We'll never do this. We'll never do this. Well, then... Stop saying never. This is the new reality. One world government, one world economy, one world religion. It's happening right here, right now in front of us. Stop saying never and keep looking up because this is all temporary. This is all temporary. Let's look at Matthew 24. Are we eagerly waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? We're getting stuff jammed down our throat every single day from Washington, D.C. Republicans as well as Democrats. Doesn't matter. We got to stay focused on Jesus. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn this parable of the fig tree. I personally believe this is the nation of Israel. A fig tree is one representation of the nation of Israel. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So physical analogy, now a spiritual principle. So you also, when you see all these things, know that the time is near at the doors. As you do the study on that, you know that Jesus is talking about when Israel becomes a nation again. When did Israel become a nation again? May 14, 1948. The fig tree got planted. Jerusalem became part, the capital again of Israel in 19, June of 1967. Boom. The fruit tree is blossom and it's, it's budding and blossoming and fruits coming forth. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. This generation. I personally believe it's from 1967, 70 to 80 years. 2037 to 2047. That doesn't mean that all those people are going to die. That just means that generation is going to see the return of the Christ. We're going to see the rapture. Are you looking up? Are you relying upon this government to save you? The next politician to save you? Because Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away. Everything that we build, everything that we put our our love into, which is nothing wrong with that. I, I love landscaping. I love doing that stuff. I love it. 
But if it all goes away, I'm fine with that because I'm going to heaven at the end of the day. So don't, so don't take anything out of context. Nothing wrong with things that we have on this earth and using them and blessing others with them. But realize what? It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. But what? But my words will by no means pass away. It's coming down. I know some of you don't like to hear that. But it's reality. Be diligent. Be faithful as we look back into Revelation 4. Be diligent. Be faithful. After these things, in verse 1, after these things, and then after this, metatauta in the Greek, these phrases indicate a shift, a change from what was taking place to what is now taking place. The great tribulation is coming. The church has moved from earth to heaven, and what we see now is just incredible. After stepping into heaven itself, the first thing that John sees is a throne. A throne. Thrones speak of power, majesty, and authority. One of the key words in this chapter is the word throne. The word throne is used 42 times in Revelation and is seen 12 times in this chapter alone. Heaven is a real place where John's seeing a throne. Again, this is for you, this is for me. So when somebody asks you, what's heaven like? You can start to talk about it. It's 1,500 miles square. It's a 1,500-mile cube. There's thrones in heaven. God's throne is in heaven. A literal throne? A literal place? Yes, a literal throne. A literal place. We're going to see Jesus sitting on his throne in chapter 5. John sees... Immediately I was in the spirit, in verse 2, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and what sat on the throne? And he who sat on was like a jasper, God the Father. We're going to see Jesus sitting on a throne in in chapter 5. We're also seeing 24 elders sitting on thrones. You see, the thrones of God and Jesus are thrones of grace, yet we're going to see in this letter that they're also thrones of judgment. We see that everything in heaven revolves around the throne of our God. That should give us great comfort, especially when we go through our trials. You see, God has the ultimate power and authority. So we can know that he will take care of us. And now as we look at this scene, we can become enamored with all the various images around the throne. But we must never forget the central focus for John here is God who sits on that throne. Not the streets of gold, not the angels, not the various images that we have seen here, but that God but that the God that we serve today is going to greet us when we get there. That's why I played that song. One day when you die, when you take your last breath on this earth as a Bible-believing Christian, you're going to take your first breath in heaven, I believe, in the twinkling of an eye, which is the speed of light that causes your eyelids to blink, light reflecting off your eye. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Per second. You're going to take your first breath in heaven and you're going to see what John's seeing. You're going to see what John is seeing. You're going to see the throne of God. You're going to see God face to face. You're going to see Jesus. This is real, guys. This is not hypothetical. Here's a really weak analogy. But it's like when a bride walks down the aisle. I don't know how many of you experience this. We have different ways of getting married by Elvis in Vegas and that's that's legit. Other times there's long aisle, long train, but when you see your bride coming down the aisle, everything else goes out of focus. 
It's really crazy. Happened to me 42 years ago. It's just crazy. You are so focused, you're so enamored with your bride coming down the aisle. You haven't seen her, maybe you haven't seen the dress, and all of a sudden she's coming towards you. Guys, that's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. You're going to see God, you're going to see Jesus. And when John describes God the Father, he describes the colors that are emanating from his presence. Not God himself, but that are emanating from him. Colors that are just amazing when you see them in their pure form. Jasper in Revelation is described, Revelation 21.11, as clear as crystal. We would think of it as a diamond, a very costly and precious stone. A A sardis stone has a reddish hue to it, blood red like a ruby. An emerald has a deep green quality to it. So when you look at the throne, verse 3 there, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. So these are emanating from God. They're not literally God. They're emanating from his presence. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Is this vertical or horizontal? We don't know. I kind of think it's going to probably be vertical. Are there floors? Are the floors 10 feet apart, 15, 20 feet apart? We don't know. See, there's a lot of things we don't know. So don't worry about what you don't know. Stick with what you do know. There is a rainbow going around the throne, all the way around it. If that's vertical or horizontal, we'll find out when we step into heaven. But at least you know there is a rainbow. Not a multicolored rainbow, one rainbow. It's a rainbow in appearance like an emerald. An emerald is green, green. So the message was clear and precious, jasper. But it was a blood sacrifice, Sardis. How do we get to heaven? How does Hamas get to heaven? How does a person in the Ukraine get to heaven or a Russian get to heaven or my neighbor get to heaven? Only through the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's the only way. Not by becoming religious, not by knocking on doors, not by passing out pamphlets. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. So maybe this could be an example because Jesus had the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. The precious blood sacrifice accomplished by Jesus was obviously done here on this earth. The rainbow is green. Maybe it represents the earth. For who? For all of humanity, as I quoted earlier, John 3.16. We'll find out when we get there. Where do we first see a rainbow? Way back in Genesis, where God first placed a multicolored rainbow in the sky after the flood. It was placed there to remind mankind of God's covenant covenant to never destroy mankind again by a flood. You see, but God is a righteous judge. And the rainbow reminds us to this day, as well as those in heaven, that he is such. But when a person or a group of people or a nation forgets that, have we forgotten that as a nation? Then that person or that group of people or that nation has forgotten the simple fact that God is a righteous judge. It's unfortunate but not surprising that those who oppose God's plan of marriage, one biological man and one biological woman, would use a rainbow as one of their symbols. You see, Satan will always try to imitate God. Think about this. What got got Satan kicked out of heaven? Now you know it's 1,500 miles wide, square, tall. Satan... I believe, in the scriptures, I believe was the head worship leader in heaven. And what got him kicked out of heaven? You got the picture right here. This is the very picture. I will ascend to the throne. I will be like the most high God. I, 
pride. Middle letter of pride, I. Middle letter of sin, I. So you get a picture of heaven here. Satan got kicked out of heaven. What does he want to destroy? As Matt referenced in the the beginning of worship, any image bearer. Any image bearer. Every human being is an image bearer of God. We're created in God's image. Not, Not that every human being is saved. We're not saying that. But from conception, from conception to death, Every human being is an image bearer, and that's why Satan wants to destroy every single human being. Very, very important. So as you remember, family members that knew Jesus are there. This is what they are witnessing. And when you wonder what heaven is like, here's a scene that you can refer back to in verse 4. Around the throne. So again, this is literal. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Who is sitting on these thrones here as the music team comes up? You see, the Old as well as the New Testament saints could possibly be represented here by these 24 elders. The Old as well as the New Testament saints. They're clothed in white robes, so with biblical consistency, I'd have to say that these were humans who had been clothed by the righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Are they the literal 12 heads of the tribes of Israel? Are they the literal 12 disciples of Jesus? They could be. Jesus at one point said to his disciples that they would be sitting on thrones alongside of him. Could be. So be careful. I wouldn't be dogmatic about it. We'll have to wait till we get there to find out. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps are fire or burning or before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we'll pick it up there because we're out of time. But I, can continue, I encourage you to read 4 and 5. Read chapters 4 and 5 because this is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is before the great tribulation starts in chapter 6. So learn, read ahead and know, so where are you going? I'm going to heaven. What does that look like? Uh, come talk to my pastor. No, no. Study your Bible. Start to learn. Again, we don't know a lot, so it's not going to take you a lot. But study. It's 1,500 miles, the border of Canada to the border of Mexico. Can we even comprehend that? That's incomprehensible. And that tall. Remember that, 747 at four or five miles is a little dot. 1,500 miles. It's going to be glorious, guys. Nobody's going to be bored. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the wonderful promise. Even as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to go to the church. He didn't knock on anybody's door. He just received the grace. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, we thank you and praise you that captivity was taken captive by Jesus And he took them out of Abraham's bosom and and let them go to heaven. Father, we thank you and praise you that we take our last breath as Bible-believing Christians. We're going to step into the throne room of God, the Bema seats. We're going to see you, Father, face to face. We're going to see your son sitting at your right hand. We're going to see the 24 elders. We're going to see these four creatures that we're going to talk about. We're going to see billions of saints who have gone before us speaking one language, 
wearing the same robes. There'll be no judgment. There'll be no condemnation. There'll be no sinful things that we talk about on this side of heaven. They'll just be pure and holy and reverent. Father, help us this week as we heard in that song, as we saw lives just being lived and played out. Lord, as we live and play out our lives, help us to remember that we're going to heaven and that we should take somebody with us. Help us to plant this week, to fertilize, to water, to ask somebody if they need prayer. Maybe ask somebody if they'd like to receive Jesus as their Savior. Father, your Holy Spirit is always working. And your word says that you have divine appointments ready for us to walk in them. Help us to be ready for them this week. Lift our eyes to heaven. We know there's going to be sin on this earth. We know there's going to be wars. We know there's going to be pestilence. We know there's going to be disease. We know there's going to be deception. There's a great deception that has come upon this land. A great deception. It's so obvious. It's from Satan. So, Father, this week, keep our eyes in heaven. If we do want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We need to be busy about our business. But Jesus said, occupy. Help us to be available for your business, Father. The eternal business as well. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.